0: This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 774, brought to you by Macroverse, next generation comics plus webtoon. Download the app at www.macroverse.com. And iFanboy listeners just like you who are washing their hands, wearing their masks, and getting their vaccines. fanboy pick week episode 774 my name is connor kilpatrick
1: that would make me your co-host josh flanagan
0: and we are a fanboy and week we read a bunch of comics and one of us picks our favorite book called the pick of the week sometimes the week is a heavy week of comics sometimes it's a light week of comics we have no control over that we also have no control over the quality of the books just
1: <laughs> wow it's almost <laughs> as if you're uh you're you're um preamble here is telling us something about how you feel what
0: where are we in the script we talk
1: about the books other books patron power patron (laughs) pick
0: i lost track emails if we have time i think we'll have time this week we'll have some fun spoiler warning here's this is a review show there'll be some spoilers this week josh you had the pick of the week
1: i did have the pick of the week and uh pretty easy one it was a pretty easy one i i i did not like my books this week i had fine with them but there were a lot of fine books yeah it was fine it was a fine week but so for the me, there's the only week,
0: one great book, and that was the pick of the week.
1: Yeah, the pick of the week is uh Beta Ray Bill, number one. Um Bill. <laughs> Bill. Uh from Daniel Warren Johnson, uh, with Mike Spicer on colors, uh, Joe Sabino, with assists from Daniel Warren Johnson on lettering. I assume that is uh like uh, sound effects on the board. Probably. Um Who knows? Yeah, actually now that I'm now that I'm remembering, there are two things here that made this the pick of the week. <laughs> um uh, so what we have is an incontinuity story of where we are with Beta Ray Bill now. Yeah. Um, it, it sort of explores his character in a way that hasn't really been happening that much, even though he's been around for a bit. And he's also
0: been around uh, recently a lot. He's been in a yeah. lot of horror comics. He's been.
1: Donnie Cates yeah. has really like made it, uh, an effort to put him back in. I think he was a Guardian of the Galaxy for a little yes. bit. Um. You know, and, and he—he's lately he's been serving the role as like Thor's pal, mm-hmm. and then there was a big fight in um, uh, in Thor where where um basically like Thor uh, broke his hammer that that Odin had gifted Bill, uh, you know, and then they they supposedly made up, but this issue is large. Stormbreaker, uh, but in this issue it's it's like Bill's not okay. He's like
0: he, he's he. Well, I mean, for various reasons, the Stormbreaker. Yes. See, here's, okay, let's back up for a second. I like the road you're going down. I just want to establish some baselines. So, like, Ray Bill was an old-school Walt Simonson creation, you know. 82. And he, he in, in the main Thor books, he took over for Thor for a while. And he was sort of the, playing the role of Thor. He had the hammer, he had the suit, and he was a horseman. And as a kid, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't read a ton of Thor comics, but I certainly read enough. So I liked Bateria Bill, but I didn't really know anything about him. And even now, as a not kid, I didn't really know a lot about Beta Ray Bill. I always liked when he showed up. I always yep. liked the character. I liked the design, even though sometimes it's creepy. I like his I like his relationship with Thor and his other the other people in the universe. He's the guy that no one dislikes, right? He's like, you know, some people don't like Thor. I'm talking about characters in the world. You know, he can right. be brash and annoying, but everyone loves Bill. And so here, I didn't know that he was... Like we had in the last Thor or the current Thor arc with um, Donald Blake. Donald Blake removed his magical whatever, and he became a, like there a humanoid man. And I was like, "What the fuck is this?" Because again, don't, I don't know the intricacies of Bitter Bill. So here, we actually learn
1: like his he's history. like Alan the Alien. Like he was yes. super. Like he was supposed to be their protector, and so they you know roided him up, and mm-hmm. then it turns out he was very worthy. So he ended up with a hammer. And that's how we get to this bill.
0: Well, my point is that the, the, the reason why Breaking Stormbreaker was such a big deal wasn't just his axe; it was the enchanted weapon that allowed him to turn from humanoid to horseman. Right. So now he's stuck as horseman, which is an important plot point for this issue. That's why I wanted to back it up, just because yeah. I didn't know yes. that going into this issue. Again, because I just knew Bill, the the sweet horse dude. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't know about all the rest of it.
1: And couple of things that I thought were really interesting about this. So when I see Daniel Warren Johnson's name, I think, oh, this is going to be sort of a more prestige thing. It's going to be off on its own. And this is actually firmly rooted in yep. what is going on in the continuity right now. There's mm-hmm. even King in Black stuff about it. Um, Which is not over, by the way. Yeah, no, I recognize that. <laughs> we, it's just I'm, never going to be I've got to say, I, I mean, this is an aside. We'll do a little sidebar. Yeah. It hasn't really ruined the comics that it's been involved
0: no, in. No, no, no. I'm not. I just think it's funny. It's just going No,
1: I, oh, I'm, I'm just saying, though, that like we normally when comics bleed into everything else uh it makes them terrible for whatever reason this event hasn't really harmed the ongoing books it was going for i i don't know why like when it shows up in the other books i'm not annoyed mm-hmm. and then some of the specials have been pretty good and i'm not reading the main series but i'm fine right. it's it's very it's very different than than a lot of the other uh, i got to give him the credit for that anyway so uh yeah he's he's sort of uh He's in a bad place, you know, and and uh, he's got a, a, a love affair kind of thing going on with Sif, mm-hmm. and they they go back to his room, and this is the coldest, saddest scene in the whole damn <laughs> yes, thing. Yes, is oh. that they're making out, and you know, he he just needs some solace. He doesn't feel good, and uh, and then she's like, "So how's this work?" And he's like, "What do you mean?" And he's like, "Not being a horse." Yeah, I mean she didn't say that, but like, well, she's uh, like, "When you do know, you, t- you know, how, when do you turn yeah. back into a man?" Because yeah. And he's like, I can't. And then she takes off. She's like, I can't. I was like, oh, shit. And then he does say a line, though. And she's like, I'm sorry. And he's like, and he looks in the mirror. He goes, I understand. I'm not blind. And he's looking at his horse face. And it is sad as hell.
0: Oh, God. It's, well, he he walks out, and he's down the hallway holding his head in his hand. Like, it's... Yeah. It was he's doing rough, the,
1: Bill. He's doing the Charlie Brown walk. <laughs> and, you know, like the... the um. George Michael Bluth walk, you know, yeah. <laughs> a lot in this. Yeah, it, it's it's really a bummer. Now at the same time, they fight. Uh, he fights a a symbiote, Fin Fang Foom. Yes, and like on that double page spread of a, of a big Fin Fang Foom, whether he's symbiote or not, I was like, that's damn good. And he's got, you know, he's got a big beautiful axe and hammer. I mean, Thor at one point he was like, I gave you all the weapons. <laughs> he's like, it's not the same. But you know, he beats he beats the very powerful Fin Fang Foom. And I forgot about his I forgot about Bill's really giant spaceship, because that's actually in his first appearance. Mm-hmm. That's what he shows up in. Um back in the Simonson books. And he's also got like a little um like a AI helper, not unlike Booster Gold's right. um right. flying buzzy thing. Yeah. You know, it, it Yeah, it looked it looked great. I mean, and I I like we've talked about uh Johnson. A lot. I actually just like. I guess there was that Wonder Woman series that you just did. I was like, you Earth. Just yeah. saw him do a thing, you know. But it didn't. It felt special, but it also didn't feel apart from everything else. And I thought that was really impressive. And and also just, it was a it was a, it was a solid comic. A solid Marvel comic I, book.
0: I, I thought it looked amazing. I've, I've, yes. uh, I think his art is terrific. Um,
1: no, I, I do too. I, I I'm saying it managed to both fit in with what was going on and and look special at the same time. And and that's. That doesn't always happen. Um, I I was really – I guess I was really surprised that this guy who does these little sort of prestige projects and shows up and things, you know, slid right into the continuity of the thing that was going on and made it work with his style. It was like as if Paul Pope came along and and did just a regular issue of something, you know, that was – happened to be really good.
0: I mean there there were really terrific things happening here.
1: I mean this was an easy pick of the week. This would have been
0: mine as well. Um, Yeah. aside from the really, you know, devastating emotional scene with Sith – Sith – Sif um, you know when, when Bill rallies the troops of Asgard to go fight Fum, Fin Fang Foom it was awesome Yeah, you know he does yeah. his like you know his Maximus speech you know sons of Asgard they go Hua! And you know, that, was a great, that was a great panel yeah. you know he's, he's awesome and then it just not, he's giant... not
1: far off from Maximus in this yeah. actually like he rallies everybody he's like Ugh.
0: and then a giant you know, fist it... punches through the wall and he goes flying that's a great panel also
1: that was an amazing panel That that the kaboom, yeah, yeah, just the hand out of nowhere, and that follows, yeah, that that was a really spectacular. This
0: was a great, great comic, and I also don't think we should be allowed to have two relatively new writers with three names, both with the last names of Johnson. There's Daniel Warren Johnson, Philip Kennedy Johnson,
1: Warren Philip, Daniel Warren Johnson has two first names Mm -hmm. and a last name, and then Philip (laughs) Kennedy. Wait, now, okay, there was no president called Warren. There was Chief Justice Earl Warren, but there was a Kennedy.
0: I'm just saying it's confusing, and they both should live in the town from Blazing Saddles mm-hmm. and run for president. So, anyway, it this uh, um, looked amazing. It was thrilling. It was sad. The characterization stuff was great. Um, even, I mean, Thor's in this book too, and he, he's not like an asshole. He's just, you know, no, he's just, he's. You know he. I think
1: pretty
0: good he examination. He's like of brothers who are having
1: problems. Yeah, and it's there's a pretty good examination of the character of Thor and like how he comports himself and how sort of Bill deals with it and and sort of where those status statuses statum statum Stat-I? I don't stat where those
0: lay. The ending of the book is Bill's. Bill's like fuck this. I'm getting in my giant ship where they're playing hook for some reason on the on the internal monitors. Oh, is that what that is? Yeah, and then uh, I'm out. I'm gonna go figure out what the hell's going on. Since I can't be a man anymore, I'm just a horse. Mm-hmm. He, so he leaves. He gets in a shipping bales. So that's the ending of the book. So we're getting on the yeah. space road trip.
1: Oh, it's pretty good. I'm I'm really like I, I could have kept going if this was a train. <laughs> I'd have kept going. <laughs> yeah. For uh, sure. The back matter here is yeah. an interview where Daniel Warren Johnson interviews Walt Simonson the creator of of beta ray bill and a lot of what's going on in here and it is two artist comic book creators talking to each other and it's really specific about art and craft and sort of the thinking behind the creative decisions and it was delightful Mm -hmm. i enjoyed this interview i don't know like i think it's fairly well known that like walt simonson is one of the great people one of the nice people in
0: comics ever
1: yeah and not even just nice but like he's a good guy and he's interesting and he likes to talk about every time i've ever seen him or talked to him he's excited to talk about his work we uh-huh. we, we met him that one time in in san diego interview and like he was excited to get out his portfolio and show us what he'd been working on yeah. and I, I i can't tell you how rare that is uh, not just among artists but somebody who's been around since 1972 right It's amazing, and I think that shows in his work. And I think that, like when you first see those those Thor covers, you know, from the eighties, there's something about them that that speaks to that. But you know, Johnson was really knowledgeable and excited to talk to him about these things. And it was just a it was a great little. I can't I don't read comic book interviews ever, and I I couldn't stop reading this one. Um, It's just a nice little bit on top of it because I do think that this book was. Not 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 slavish to the source material, but I think it was, um, you know, it respected it and it 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 brought it, it used it, you know, in the best way. Good really
0: good, fun. good news for you is that this is only part of the interview. The rest of the interview you can find over at marvel dot com.
1: Oh, so I did more. not
0: know that. I'm reading the interview. That's of it. rad. Yeah, this was a great comic, top to bottom. I think uh, anyone who likes Marvel, the Thor books, any of that stuff, should. Check this issue out. It, Daniel Warren Johnson fans, great comic, just good comic fans. This this book gives you all the information you need. It's tied into the current Thor storyline, but it's not. You know, it, it yeah, doesn't. You, it it sets the table for you. It, it does everything you need to do to read, and enjoy. You,
1: it. you don't need to have read like the old Simons and stuff or whatever. I mean, like it probably will change your enjoyment of it in a different way, but it'll hold up. You'll be fine. Mm-hmm. So don't don't let that stop you.
0: Really great comic. Totally. So we also had uh, the the first issue of The Flash in Infinite, Front, Infinite Frontier, much like Wonder Woman, original numbering Flash number 768, which, again, I don't know the strategy behind any of this, this numbering. Is, not this numbering.
1: is a, a good example of, of the system that I've asked Connor to participate in where I'm like, you have to warn me because if I see just Flash 768, I won't know or something like that. And he said, you've got to read that's a new one. I said, oh, okay. So I did that. Written by that.
0: Jeremy Adams, drawn by Brandon Peterson and Marco Santucci and David Lafuente. Colors by Mike Atia, IRF Prianto, Luis Guerrero, and Steve Wands on Letters. And uh, so in Infinite Frontier, the the special issue that Joshua Williamson wrote, Barry went to Wally and said, You be the Flash of Earth, I'll be the Flash of the Multiverse. And we said, Cool, that's going to happen. And then in Justice League number one, Barry was on the Justice League. And we find out it's because here, Wally's like, I don't want to be Flash. I'm out and he wants to quit which seems very abrupt considering what I just I just read with Wally but um what did you think of this issue
1: I thought it was fun to read and it felt very flash-like I mean like there's some problem that comes up out of nowhere and they have to deal with it I think everything's sorted out but no there's another problem and then you've got time traveling mishigas and uh, you have you have <laughs> grumpy uh Oliver Queen, which I thought was really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because he's like, Well, how come you have your good guy? Well, my speedy's dead. More or less. That's what the pout was. Um that,
0: that, you know. I liked that, but on the other hand, I it did make me sigh heavily just like I did now, because again, you punch the cosmic wacky button reboot, and that's your chance to to not deal with things that are annoying, including all the fallout from Heroes in Crisis. Like wipe that slate clean. Well,
1: I mean, I think the thing is, this goes back to what I, you know, it's spoken to Josh Williamson about was he's like, do your comic, take the parts you want. And so for some reason in this one, they said, you know, I want to keep heroes in crisis. I want, you know, th- so that's just, that's the choice that they made for this thing, you know, right or wrong, whether you like it. I, I do think that it gives, you know, it, it, there's dramatic conflict that then happens, you know, where Ollie has a reason to have a chip on his shoulder instead of just being that way. Um, yeah, like the idea of, of the you know being stuck in different places in time, I thought. Well, yeah, you know, so like Wally's place.
0: like, I don't want the Speed Force anymore. I don't want to be Flash anymore. I want to go hang out with Linda and my kids. So they're still around.
1: And they're still ruining everything.
0: And so Barry takes him to go one, one last run together. And um, instead of losing his speed, Wally gets sucked into the Speed Force and sort of becomes Dr. Sam Beckett from Quantum Leap. He wakes up in the body of like a Cro-Magnon man with the dinosaurs, even though there were no people and dinosaurs around at the same time, but it doesn't matter, it's comic books. Um, and so he has an adventure in prehistoric times trying to survive against a raptor who also has
1: super speed. Which, which was, is a problem.
0: They're already fast. And they can already clever open doors. girls. They can open doors. There's even a clever girl scene in here where the raptor pops up next to him in, this, in the jungle, mm-hmm. um, which creeped me out, even, you know, even, even still. I have that yeah. elemental fear from Jurassic Park, which I saw, you know, when I was a kid when I saw it, and it was.
1: I think there's a line in the movie or one of them about that too. Like you just know to be afraid of the thing. I right. remember. There's so, a lot of those movies.
0: Wally versus Super Speed Raptor, and then at the end, he you know leaps forward into the future where he's now inside Impulse's body. Um, so I mean, it was like a fun romp, and I also really like the yeah. fact that. The Flash, Beryon, was in his original Flash costume with no stupid lines. Now, I don't know if that's a mistake or just because Brandon Peterson's drawing it,
1: but I liked it. I liked it. That was there. what you led with. You should read this because he's not in his stupid costume. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not. That is, like, that 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 is what I said. That was really the only thing you told me. That is you what said, I said. He said he's not in his stupid costume and Brandon Peterson drew it. And I was like, okay, That's fine.
0: <laughs> Uh boy, I, I, it was fun. I didn't think it was great. I, I didn't think it was like you know earth shattering, but I did enjoy it.
1: I, I got I didn't. I don't think I read the credits. I knew that it was Brandon Peterson and then some other people. I don't know if I got that far. So when I went back to put the script together, and I saw it was David Lafuente. I was like, really? I don't. I didn't think I noticed it. And he did the, the impulse bit at yeah. the end, and it was really good. It was like um, I don't feel like I haven't seen him in a while. I actually thought of him the other day. I was like, what happened to that guy? You know. But it didn't look as. I don't look good.
0: Yeah, really nice. the art the, the art in the book was really good, and yeah. I especially enjoy how the Justice League always stands around in a wedge. <laughs> They're always just just there in a wedge, letting you know the hierarchy of the members. And I don't know who Jeremy Adams is. I'm looking him up on DC. Yeah, he did uh, he did the Superman Worlds at War miniseries for Future State, Suicide Squad. Uh, Worlds at War was good. I didn't read Suicide Squad, so he's. I'm gonna
1: he's, guess. I'm gonna guess he's a YA author. That seems like relatively new
0: into comics, anyway. So I, I thought it was fun. I thought it was fun.
1: Yeah, they, the
0: raptor freaked me out. Yeah. So we'll see and, what happens.
1: And there was text on the cover, which is always nice.
0: As Wally bounces around time.
1: So. So that's uh, the history of the DC universe. What about the other history of the DC universe? Did you fall off Sorry. this book? I did. I okay. did I kind of forgot about it And then I grabbed two at some point But I hadn't read it
0: So this is book three um, The other is The DC Universe Written by John Ridley Drawn by uh, Giuseppe Camicoli Although in this issue Giuseppe Camicoli Just did the layouts And Andrea Cucci did the finishes And uh, Jose Villarubia colors Steve Wands again on letters And this is John Ridley's uh, book Focusing on the minority characters in DC Last Book two was about Bumblebee and guardian i think mal from the teen titans era this one's focusing on katana i thought it was really good i liked it um katana's an interesting character she is you know slightly not as heroic you know she's basically a murderer she goes around killing people with her
1: sword and i i don't know who this character is meaning that like i i'd never seen her before i got my kid like a women of the dc universe Mm -hmm. like kids book and i was like i don't know who that i didn't know who she was and i didn't know who bumblebee was right like that's where i saw them first so, like where are they from
0: well katana was you know she came along uh in the 80s she, uh she was an outsider so she was she was created by jim aparo and yeah. uh james bar uh mike Barr? Oh, i said james i think that's mike bar. james
1: obar did the crow
0: right uh, i think it was mike Barr and aparo i think they created her Whoever created the, the Outsiders, I don't
1: it's know. It's Mike W. Barr, isn't yeah. it?
0: Yeah, that's yeah. it. Mike W. Bar and Jim Amparo. Uh They were the Outsiders, basically. You know, the seminal, you know, Batman. Stay gold, Pony Boy. And uh, you know, not been around a super long time, but she's she's become an important character. She's in a lot of the cartoons. Yeah. Um, she's been around for a long time. She's been you know been in almost every incarnation of the Outsiders. <laughs> and uh, I don't know why, you just made me laugh because now you've got Pony Boy in my head. Um, and this was interesting. She's, she's, you know, she, she comes from tragedy. She, she's ruthless. And I thought the, uh, you know, the relatively short history of the character led to much more in-depth exploration of her. Um, you know, she came along with Black Lightning. So basically, I mean, it's, it's not like this book is because the first issue of this series focuses on Black Lightning. So it's almost like this is a little mini outsider's book even though probably these only only these are the only two minority characters on the outsider so there's probably be no more of those but um it's sort of a parallel st- structure to the uh, the black lightning one it's a different story she has a different experience and i also think that this was you know timely considering the, the what's going on now in the united states with all of the anti-asian violence in that there's that's dealt with here you know and in fact he he ex- much like with out with the black lightning book he explores some real life situations um she tells a story here of a real uh real uh chinese american man who was murdered in detroit in the 80s because of the japanese uh, auto auto industry um so it, it was timely um the art was terrific uh, you know, what they've been doing in this book is they've been sort of mimicking or aping certain art styles throughout the comics world. So there's a lot of Jim Aparo-like art here. There's some Dan Jerkins because they deal with the death of Superman. It's just, she's, she's an interesting character. and She's a good character. And she's, she's a popular character. Gabrielle. The, the relationship she has with Gabrielle is interesting. Um, you know, she has, she, Batman sort of appoints her as the guardian of this woman who basically is, is like a young child in a woman's body. And they become they become friends and they become sort of family and that was an interesting arc as well. I thought this was good, not as good as the first one. I think Black Lightning is still the best one. I didn't really love the second one, uh, but this one I thought was really interesting. I had a lot of a lot of things to say that um, were good. It wasn't it wasn't, you know, Black Lightning's book was very angry, right? That character was angry. He was angry about his place in the world, angry about uh, society. You know, this was slightly less angry and and more introspective. Nice. It was good, and I think the. You know, the the storytelling is interesting. It's not, and we talked about this before, it's like, you know, a couple of images and a lot of text. It's not like quite, you know, comic book storytelling, but the way they use the images together with the art, I'm sorry, the art together with the words and sometimes how the art lives inside holding devices and the style changes from page to page, I I think it really works for these books.
1: I wanted to check in on The Union, number four. uh, It's written by Paul Grist uh, with art by Andrea DeVito. Um, and a a new inker name I've never heard, but Lebo Underwood and Le we, and Bo are are separate, which means he's the beautiful Underwood. I think uh, we have
0: a new top five yeah, name entry.
1: Yeah, yeah, Wade von Grubach is like, what? That's my neighborhood. What are you doing?
0: Yeah,
1: I, I'm having a a blank of the 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 Paul our our pal who did the British superhero book for Marvel. Paul Cornell, that's right. And what was the name of the book, the team book? Captain Britain, the MIF-13. There you go. This reminds me a lot of that series yes. in that I've got um, a bunch of characters who are British who exist and maybe have existed. So maybe some are new. I'm not really sure. But it's a new superhero team to me. Uh, and I think probably to most people. Yeah, no, I, 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 I'm sure and there's a history that's sort of going on here and, and you know, they're, they're coming together to be a team and you know, because I'm American and they are British, it's just a little left of center enough to be interesting to me, which is mm. I think why a lot of Americans like British TV shows. Cause it's just some of the cliches aren't exactly the same. So it feels a little fresher. And so we've got this team and they have a job. They have to go rescue Britannia or find out who killed her. I forget which. And there's like a whole new team of supervillains And it's like, Half overwrought drama and half just a little silly. There's a superpowered corgi dog. Um, <laughs> yeah. They go to they go to rob the Tower of London. Um, it turns out that the the government contact that you know the their um, Peter Henry Guyrich character. Uh, you know he's actually got a supervillain past and mm-hmm. uh, he does some dirty shit in the last issue, not this one necessarily. It's just it's it's really fun. It's it's kind of like having a a new Kind of superhero team book, you know, it, it, in the midst of all the other stuff that's happening. And uh, I, I've just really been enjoying it. I read three and four uh, this week. You know, it, it you know kind of reminds me of two. Like when I started reading um, Starman, mm. that not so much in structure or anything, but Starman had this whole universe that existed of all these villains and and this sort of history that was already there. I just didn't know any of it. So it's like there was this established tapestry that they could draw on. Um, and it was, it was really good. (laughs) I've really been enjoying the series. You reading it? Yeah. I, I, I read the first
0: one and I had not read the second one. And you talked about two on the show and you were like, I really enjoyed it. So I went back and I read two and then I've been reading it since then. And it's been—it right. has been really fun. I think everything you're saying is correct. I think the art's really strong. The Andrew Devito art—and
1: and it's right. Like it's—it's it's the right kind of art for this thing.
0: Yes. And I think the team is interesting. Even though i started to lose track of who they are, which in which countries they represent within the United Kingdom. But mm-hmm. it's not super important. I think Bulldog is funny because he's short and squat. Um, and you know, they play—they play with the conventions of England. And and makes and it's funny and this this heist at the Tower of London was was cool and the Bee Theater was awesome. Um, I I just thought this was this was like a good old superhero comic. You know? Yes,
1: yeah, it was a good it's old on, British. It's on, it's on the comic. gosh
0: scale. It's not like it's not like off the charts, but it's on it's like on the scale.
1: It yep. registers it to has, on the scale. It has enough of it, and it's just fresh enough. And you know, same thing. Like I'm I was really impressed with Paul Grist forever ago. Yeah. You know, Ron was like, you got to read his Union. Is a Union Jack? Can't, Cain and, and uh, Kane. Jack, Jack something, Jack something, yeah. Um, and you know, neither Jack, of us or I I got into it. Jack, Staff. But, uh, I don't remember. Jack it was definitely Staff. Kane. That sounds right. Yeah. Anyway, a were beautiful books, but I just didn't quite get what was going on. And, and this, this clicks. This works. It's really fun, and it was yeah, unexpected. So I it was like nice it a
0: team that basically is thrown together because their 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 Superman character died. Oh, she's I guess the Wonder Woman character died. The leader of the team, and so now this is like all the misfits trying to trying to honor her legacy and also protect uh, the union, and it's it's been good. So it's a miniseries. I'm sure there's probably a the lot next issue, is the last one, but I've enjoyed it. Quick break now. Let's talk about Macroverse. I'd like to thank them, they're our sponsor. They're the next generation comics and webtoon app that is a u- universe of adventure. When you download the app for iOS or Android, not only do you get some of the best curated comics around, but you also get to read them using Macroverse's unique tap story format. Thanks to the unique tap story, all the comics in Macaverse Macroverse are custom crafted for your phone, adding the element of time and a page turn between each tap. This means creators can craft a reading experience to create an immersive experience of humor, jump scares, and ultimately avoid spoiling the story by scanning ahead the page ahead.
1: So you're saying that that thing with the Velociraptor head would have worked really well on this? Actually, yes. it would have.
0: Yeah, you would have tapped it and the head would have appeared next to Wally. So yeah. Have,
1: and then would you would have thought, ah, like that.
0: That's what comics would be if they were invented today. If you love comics, the webtoons, you'll love it. Macroverse has comics for everyone. Comics for kids like Rock, Mary, Rock, for YA audiences like Glitch and Remind, horror with Dead Town and Dame Yaga, and action like Billy Smoke and Auntie. Here's some of our picks from the app that you'll want to check. Remind is the Eisner Award nominated. Miyazaki-esque tale of a young woman looking for her lost cat, but when he washes up on shore of her sleepy coastal town with a head full of stitches and a startling ability to speak, and no memory of how he got that way, her quiet life is forever changed. Dead Town. This series follows Chan, a classic hard-boiled anti-hero, he supplies his trade to a world overrun by zombies. Visually inspired by the rich, black-and-white style of Touch of Evil and the Maltese Falcon, Dead Town combines film noir and the zombie horror genre in an edgy reimagining the detective thriller... And upcoming release of season two of Paul Shears action comedy, Aliens vs. Parker. This is a unique creator's cut of the Boom series, rewritten and reimagined, specifically for Macroverse. And it's actually already out. came out earlier this month. And if you want to get on board with the next generation of comics, go download Macroverse today, available on iOS and Android. You can use our special link to get the app, ifn.by slash macroverse, or go to ifn.by.com and click on the link of the post in the show notes. With this app, you get multiple series with free episodes, and then it's four ninety nine a month. For unlimited access to all the great comics on Macroverse Check it out at Macroverse.com Or download the app by going to ifn.by Slash Macroverse Thanks to Macroverse for the support of the show And go enjoy the next generation of comics with Macroverse
1: I think that it is Satisfying to say Billy Smoke
0: Billy Smoke is a great title
1: Billy Smoke It's a good name, it's a good title Yeah, I, 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 th- I think we just got people to read that series Just by saying Billy, Billy Smoke. Smoke Somebody out there, maybe not a lot couple of people are gonna be out there walking around at some point they're just gonna think Billy smoke because it Billy sticks smoke. in your head Billy smoke strange adventures number nine um I'm not gonna tell you I'm getting worried yeah but I am I'm waiting for a shoe to drop and I feel like I've been waiting for a shoe to drop for some time
0: we got three episodes left three yeah. minutes three three minute three three episodes three issues. Issues left
1: o like are you with me? Tomorrow, what do you think?
0: One of those weeks I'm collapsing mentally. Um yes, no, I agree with you. I, I finished this issue and I was like,
1: I don't know. I think we were getting somewhere for a little bit and I think that I do understand. Like for for a while I did not really know what the conflict was. So I was like everyone's mad at him for some reason. And 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 now really the, the I mean the question seems to be more or less, did this guy commit war crimes while he was doing this thing over there? Was he justified in doing so? And either way, should he be part of our superhero society? That that seems to be the thrust of it. And so like, like, who are you to tell me what the right thing is, you know, and, and Alana is very much on the hardliner side. I mean, Batman is very much on the like we have to you know, we have to do the right thing side, which makes sense because he doesn't kill people. Also, Superman as well. Yeah, well, Superman is a moralist boy scout asshole. No, <laughs> <laughs> you know, in the real world, like people would just not like him. Sure. Like we like him, but like in the real, world, be like, oh, that fucking guy
0: because um, because he makes you feel bad about yourself.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, it, it's,
0: I think it's I think it's tough. I think I the thing that I don't know if that it's working is at some point the, who are these, the Picts yeah. invaded Earth. And I don't know that that part of the story is working. Because it's sort of happening in the background.
1: Where it seems like it should be a really big deal.
0: Popping into the foreground, I'm like, oh right, yeah, they're fighting a giant war on Earth with the Picts. But it's, it doesn't really fit into the media narrative, you know, device he's got going on here, like why are, there's still silly talk shows going on if there's this giant war happening on earth like i think that phoenix would totally desto- happen phoenix was destroyed yeah you know like it just seems like the device of the war on earth to parallel the war that he fought with the Picts on Rand doesn't really work
1: it it's also difficult to i, I don't have a concept of who the Picts are Or what their deal is. And I think that we were getting towards it for a little while, but I don't think it was resolved. Like, I think the bits where, you know, Mr. Terrific was a big part of this and he went there, you know, and he went to RAN and he learned a bunch of stuff. And I was like, all right, here we go. We're getting somewhere. And then I feel like we, we just left that behind. Like, he delivered his report and he had a conversation with Alana. And then, like, for the last two or three issues, I'm not sure what we're doing.
0: Right, that's, so that's, I think this book was way more effective. And it, look, there's three more issues, there's a lot mm-hmm. that could happen. Yes. But I think this book was way more effective when it was a smaller story about, uh, the, you know, Adam, his secret, Alana, her secret, and then Mr. Terrific trying to figure out those secrets.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, flashing back to the to his war, I think adding the second layer of war on top of it. Has, I don't think it's added anything to the story, but it's only made it more complicated.
1: I mean, I think that it gives context to everybody else giving a shit. Meaning, I don't know that they would care what happened on Ran or in another universe necessarily in the same way if it hadn't come to them. But I also think that, and I don't. it was a, a long time ago, and I, I think it's definitely probably read better if you read it all at once, you know, like a novel. But there was the guy in the bookstore, you know, mm-hmm. like there was a thing that happened on Earth, and maybe that's what, tip the whole thing off you know like that's why they started looking at I'm not sure
0: I'm certainly not writing this book off I, I think no. there's a lot it, that can happen in the next three issues but and I think I would like to read it all over but I, I you know you don't want to rank things but right now this this might be the least effective of the Tom King prestige books so far
1: it's it's it could also be the most beautiful though
0: oh sure it, yeah. I, mean, I mean it goes without saying that Mitch Garrett's induction art is terrific and I love when they share a page
1: mm-hmm. yeah that's nice it's cool because, like, they've been friends forever, and now they get to work on this high, uh, you know, prestige project together, and, and it's, a, it's a really great collaboration. Like, there's no, you know, like, well, you do this part on the page, and, like, it's just, it's like having fun with it, and I love that.
0: And I'm, and I'm not necessarily convinced that if you go back and listen to our Mr. Miracle discussion that we weren't feeling this way around issue eight and nine of Mr. Miracle. I'm not, that, that feels right. So it could possibly be that this all turns around. We've, you know, we've got another, basically another act to go.
1: It's so it's inherently unfair to judge something that you know is going to swerve at some point very soon right so we're we're i mean we could very well like be discussing the red herring which is supposed to make you feel like this and and i'm you know we're willing to give him that we're not going to not finish it sure oh for sure not yeah yeah definitely um mm-hmm. I in my search for fairness, in my search for inclusion, in the pick of the week, I I, I said, well, there's a number one here from from Marvel. It's Silk, number one. I'm mm-hmm. vaguely aware there is a Spider-Man-esque character named Silk, and mm-hmm. I will read this book. Uh, it is written by Maureen Gu, who I have never heard of. It was drawn by Takashi Miyazawa, who I have heard of, um, with uh, colors by Ian Herring and letters by Ariana Mar and you know she is a korean american spider man character type thing um Mm -hmm. she was bit by the same spider that peter parker was apparently uh she doesn't have web shooters she shoots webby stuff out of her fingers uh but she's also uh a wannabe journalist and she has gone to work for one j jonah jameson at his new podcast website thing whatever it is threats and menaces right. and she doesn't quite fit in because uh, i think i don't know her parents are gone or dead i forget from the beginning she lives with her brother um and she's doing the the, she's doing the peter parker thing journalist by day you know new cub reporter kind of thing and then trying to be a superhero at night and right. uh it was fun i thought it was it was really good looking um mizawa did the runaways i think at some point
0: yes yeah. um Tur- great artist
1: Yeah, it was kind of, I mean, it felt a little like, you know, like a bit of a rehash of a a Spider-Man story, but sort of updated with characters that made it different enough. You know, it's a fun formula, and I I thought the characters were were pretty interesting. Um, I I, I always find this, the new interpretations of what J. Jonah Jameson is, he's one of those characters who's very elastic, I think. Mm Mm-hmm where he can be a lot of different things. Like you can either say, oh man, he's a total goofball. And then sometimes it's like, well, he, he was playing at a goofball. And then there's some like, he's a goofball, but underneath that is gravitas. There's all sorts of different ways to do it. And I think it's that last one uh, in this. Um it's basically like, because of something she did, she published a story on accident that she, she hadn't meant to yet. Then Jay Jonah was attacked. And so she saved him. And then he was like, I want to hire you as my bodyguard and, she, and he's like and she's like well I work for you during the day she doesn't say that because he doesn't know who she is so now right. she's working for J. Jonah in two jobs as two different people um, yeah it's kind of fun it's it's uh, there's there's gangs and queens that's there's something like that it was fun I, I, I enjoyed it. it wasn't the greatest yeah, thing on earth it? but yeah I think I'll read the next one yeah okay cool Cool. Well, there was I'm no there were no right sy- there were no symbiotes <laughs> that's, that's important I'm gonna download it right now while you okay. talk uh, over to Image, we have, um, Shadecraft, number one. Now, this is from, uh, um, Joe Henderson and Lee Garbett, um, and they did the book whose title, I can't remember, but it was about the girl who could fly, and there was... Yes. Flight? It's a, no, Flight, no. It's at the end of this, in, in the end. Uh, but either way, I really liked that book. Uh, it went on for quite a while, and this was their follow-up to it, and in the end, he kind of talks about... Skyward. Um, he talks Skyward. about how they were really slow to get this started because people really liked Skyward I and mean, they were like, I don't want to show them the next thing because what if they don't like it? Which I, I just thought was a nice a nice uh, thing. Well, since Joe Anderson's a TV writer, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's the so other thing. Makes... You, you get YA writers and then like cable drama showrunners. Those are the people.
0: Well, you, it makes sense someone who's not yes. sort of familiar with the world would be, you know, reticent about doing a second thing.
1: Yeah. Um, Whereas if people who came up in comics are like, here's a series, here's a series, here's another series. Yeah.
0: The world of comics, not the world in general. Right. That diminishes yeah. professional uh, So, accomplishments.
1: The story is about a girl, a young girl, who is afraid of things. Her brother is in a coma and her parents are in kind of a rough place and she's got to sort of go on about her life like things are normal. But then her shadow, a shadow, starts to attack her and then her shadow. Fights that one back, and she's trying to talk to people. She's like, "People, my shit!" Like, and they're like, "Now nah, they're going to think you're crazy. Don't talk about that." I don't fully understand it. I think mm-hmm. it is Lee Garbett beautiful. I think he's a really underrated talent. Yes, yes. Um, a really, you know, solid artist. Really solid artist. I think it's a really good looking book. I'm not sure what it is yet. The tone isn't quite doesn't seem to match itself, meaning that it's a little lighthearted for a girl who's freaked out that her shadows are fighting other shadows and, and like, but I don't, I don't know what it is yet. It's called shade craft. So I assume there's going to be some sort of magic thing. I actually mm-hmm. really liked the thing about skyward was that it was a scientific, uh, like somebody screwed up something and it turned gravity off. And then, you know, everything that mm-hmm. followed yeah. that, this seems to be a little more supernatural, but, Benefit of the doubt because I like was very
0: was very sci fi, even though it involved like giant bugs and things. It was very yeah, sort of based in science and reality. Yeah.
1: And so, I, but I don't know what this is yet. It's again, I'm not going to say it's a cold open because it is more than that. I explained it, but I don't think that we mm-hmm. we know yet. But you know, it wasn't bad. I liked it, I didn't love it. Uh, I will I will read the next one for sure because I really like the, the stuff that they did before. I read all of Skyward so
0: the art and silk is terrific.
1: Yeah, it really is.
0: The Kashimi is great. Those books we wanted to talk about, the, you can always vote for the patron pick over patreon.com slash ifanboy. Any patron can vote to add a book to the rundown. And this week, the patrons picked Beta Ray Bill number one.
1: Yay! Which should save us some time.
0: We covered that. So it's been a while since we had the patron pick match, the pick of the week. But there you go. Uh, patreon.com slash ifanboy. As so you can vote to add a book to the rundown. And we did it of them, But we were all in, we were all in
1: agreement. So that was yep. nice. We have to rate it. I mean, I th- we both know we're going to read the next one. So that's, that's clear.
0: Sticking with it. I'm, I'm giving Beta Ray Bill 4.7 out of 5.
1: I'm going to give it a 5. I thought nice. about saying what you said, and I just thought, you know what? I'm, 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 I'm giving it this. It was so good that I didn't understand it was that good until after. I was like, I think I really liked that. And then the more I really thought great. about it, I was like, I have no fault with this book. None. I also,
0: yeah. And Daniel Warren Johnson is an incredible artist. Yeah. Uh, we need more, more art like his in comics. Yeah, big overwrought epic look epic feeling art I, to it
1: I just realized and, and I don't know that it immediately obvious but I, I think there's a lot of Scotty Young in that work hmm. like if you think back not the baby stuff that Scotty does you know the, the, the covers that pay the bills maybe but you know when you think back to what uh, you know Wizard of Oz looked like and, and stuff like that it's, you know the characters aren't the character designs aren't necessarily similar but the sort of energy of it and the looseness
0: uh, there's also yes. There's also a lot of uh, Simonson's yes. you know epic. Yeah, epic it's stuff. a really yeah. Sorry, see what, extra. What would would happened have... if Philip Kennedy Johnson wrote a book and Daniel Warren Johnson drew it?
1: But what if Wade von Badger and Lebo, uh, whatever his last name was, came in and worked on it? Lebo Johnson. Lebo Lebeau... no, Underwood. <laughs> like a typewriter. Lebo Johnson was a character in the fourth arc of Preacher.
0: Lebeau uh, Underwood only inks via typewriter, and you can't <laughs> believe you can't believe it when you see it. It's just, you just, you, just, it just shouldn't work, but it you're does. Just,
1: you're just burning patron powers here, buddy.
0: Sorry. <laughs> 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 uh, Patreon Patreon.com slash fanboy give the five dollar higher level get your superpower live on the show like these fine folks.
1: Lars Peterson. It's mm-hmm. good name. It's nice. It's yep. a, uh it. Has, uh, he keeps everyone on time. There's okay. something that happens. It's like a, a reality warping field that anybody who's involved with a project or anything that he's doing, yep. they get there on time. They don't hit traffic. They don't oversleep. Everybody gets there on time. There's no. What there's, about
0: for deliverables? Are they, are they delivered on time? Yeah. All the work's done yeah.
1: on time? Yeah. His, his team. And, and, and I don't know I, – I, I don't understand how far out this goes. So if, like if he works at a large company, if everybody – Large
0: gets, Peterson would be extremely valuable to any corporation and should be making a lot of money as a consultant.
1: Yes, totally. I mean what you don't want though is you don't want him coming in there – he doesn't want to be in, like in a situation where like just come and stand here. Like he has to be involved with the thing. He
0: doesn't just stand in the corner of the room. Yeah, he is actually. Yes, I get you. Yeah,
1: it's his team. They have to be doing something. They have to be involved in in a a process, in a in a project, in a an undertaking. But this also occurs. Like you want to be on a flight with this guy. Hey, we're going to Cancun this weekend. We're going with Lars. Great. That that plane's taken off.
0: He wants to be involved in any flight out of San Francisco. Oh,
1: yeah, (laughs) yeah.
0: I've been. I've been so delayed out of san francisco
1: i i gotta say i live in the northeast so i mean
0: <laughs> worse delays
1: out of san francisco than i ever had the North northeast northeast yeah. we had that one 10 hour delay out of san francisco i mean to be fair i regularly travel between new hampshire and san francisco <laughs> and i had to it, for a while i was doing a two-part flight and i was like well this isn't going to work anymore we have to go direct and direct only <laughs>
0: Kevin Krull, great name. Yeah. Kevin Crawl. I'm,
1: I'm seeing that throwing star thing, whatever that is.
0: Kevin Kroll absorbs smoke hmm. into his body. So like really valuable, like a cookout, mm-hmm. you know? If you're like, oh, the grill's too close to the house. Smoke's getting inside. Or, no, or just,
1: if you're, you're, you're really pan frying the hell out of something inside. Yeah, in the kitchen. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Does he bacon? have like a removable filter or? <laughs> it just
0: absorbs into his body.
1: And I want to know: comes, Are there health effects from that? No, yeah,
0: he's fine. Okay, he just absorbs it. Smoke, nice. smoke comes to him and absorbs it into him, and it's gone.
1: You want to go camping with that guy? I know that mm-hmm. much. A lot of uses. Mason Kerr emits bursts of steam <laughs> from anywhere on his skin where that needs to happen. So, like a teapot. Like I mean, that could be one way. So, does he make a noise? I mean as much as it you know a it, whistle. Yeah, like it's it's well that's the teapot with its very specific shape to do that. But mm-hmm. you know, if you think about well, like
0: a same whistle like on a train.
1: Yeah. Well again, that is that's a, that's shaped to be a whistle. Uh-huh. But if you think about like a like a spacecraft Yeah or uh or maybe uh, like, like a cleaning tool, like a high powered burst of steam from the finger to sort of get that gunk off of the stovetop... Or, I mean, perhaps his feet emit bursts of steam where he could levitate. There's, right. there's, Ooh, there's endless ways that, that he uh, can emit steam, bursts of steam.
0: Cool. Does he need the input of water?
1: I was thinking about that, and I haven't decided.
0: Does he because need to drink a cup of water before he can burst the steam out?
1: Yeah, I think I think there has to be there has to be a limit because otherwise, he, like that would be the thing. Like he dehydrate himself the way same way that like uh, a speedster's metabolism is so great right. that, that they have they have to eat a bunch of calories which they either use or don't use in a story depending on what they need. So I think that's how I would do it with Mason's story. But um, bursts of steam.
0: Charlie Oliver can control the temperature of any body of water he enters. Mm-hmm. So, like, if he got in a bath and it's like all the water's gotten cold, he heats it. He can heat it right back up.
1: I want to point out that a, a man, a man who knows taking a bath, is going to say it that way instead of the other way. A person who is not down with baths would say, "Oh, uh-huh. if it's too hot." But a person who has experienced baths would say, "No, that gets cold because that's the real problem." Exactly.
0: Yep. I mean, it's also the other, the other, the other way around too. If he oh, it's too hot, he yeah. can lower the temperatures a bit till it's the perfect temperature. But any body of water, uh, he can control. And listen, I'm giving him terrible and scary powers. He could enter the ocean, and he can control the temperature of the ocean he's in.
1: Wow! Like yeah, and the to a limitless because that could he, cause he, some he, real problems, right? Okay. That,
0: it's 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 an awful and scary power if with if, great power used. But more likely, he's going to you know be more comfortable in like a lake scenario.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, less less environmental damage.
1: Yeah, but I mean, you could you could fuck up some fish.
0: Right. So he, he's, Charlie's got an awful, scary power on his hands. So he's like gotta if, use it if, wisely. so
1: okay, let's say that he's on vacation with Kevin, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Kevin has sucked all the smoke out of the air, which is which is basically an absolute good. Yes. And then and then. Uh, and then they're like, hey, let's go swimming. He's Charlie, this is a little cold, and he's like, sorry, no can do. I don't want to fuck up the eel population.
0: Right. Sure. Yeah. Um, the, you know, the funny thing about this is we had a lot fewer books this week, and I thought we definitely have a lot of time, extra time this week, and we're not going to have all that extra time. No. Because we can't shut our fucking mouths.
1: I mean, that is the point. It's, it's hard to come down on us for doing the thing that is the patreon.com
0: slash i fanboy Thank for being patrons, Lars, Kevin, Mason, Charlie, take your powers and in the spirit in which they were given and use them wisely.
1: Yes. Uh, so the patrons we, we talked about that and and I'll keep this one quicker. Uh, the, the patrons are very uh, important and beloved uh, and, and selfless and generous and good people. just they're good people. Uh, they have help on luck shows like the patron pick, the talk splodes, the book splodes, the media splodes. Uh, are we caught up? Are we fully caught up? We have to do a media splode for March, right? Or for April, right? That's We, we, have,
0: we did everything that was owed in March. And then we, 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 we had the schedule wrong in our heads. We actually did the April book splode yep. on April 1st. So yeah. we're actually ahead of the game.
1: Nice. So we have an means... April
0: Media Explode, yes. But so we did the April
1: Explode. There will be a Media Explode. There will be a patron hangout this month. Uh, and the YouTube yep. content is going up fast and furious on a very regular basis each week. Um, yes. Our next goal uh, would be a new show, a new weekly podcast. Actually, I didn't mean weekly. I didn't say that. I did not select <laughs> that from the record. <laughs> Fucking Christ. Um, uh, our, our leading choice now would be a, a, a G.I. Joe cartoon one episode at a time. That that comes from the fact that early in the pandemic we didn't have new comics so we're like, let's watch G.I. Joe episodes and talk about them each uh, each episode we do here and that was very fun. Uh, if there's another goal, maybe there'll be a new kind of barbecue email video show like we used to have on a quarterly basis. That That's a possibility. It's a long shot. It's a big stretch. It's a stretch goal. It's a big stretch goal. Uh, the patrons also get the patrons Facebook group and Discord servers where they can have a fun community and talk about things and every once in a while remind me that it exists and I go on and I'm like alright I really like this uh, you can go to com. you'll find eight designs to put on t-shirts sweatshirts, tank tops I don't know if they have uh, boy shorts I don't know, there's, there's things, you can put them on things, you can put them on probably phone cases, uh, all sorts of things uh, we uh, will probably add something at some point I think we need to um, yes You can go to ifambo.com slash support. If you don't want to deal with any of that, there's a direct PayPal link if you wanted to do a donation there. That has happened uh, recently. It does happen sometimes. Uh, There's ifambo.com slash Amazon where you'll find a link to buy all the books on Booksplode. You'll find a link to buy the pick of the week and also the music uh, that we use in every every given show. There'll be a link for that. And there's a general link over to amazon.com for your purchasing needs. And let's do... Christ, I thought we would have more time. Let's do the first one. Let's see where we go.
0: Matthew writes in and says... You always express a good, long-range view of the comic cycle, that the publishers and their major characters have strong and weak periods, neither of which last forever. We're pretty clearly in a weaker moment for all three of the largest publishers. What do you think typically leads to these lulls, and what kind of changes or events have historically pulled the cycle back into a strong phase? If it matters, I've been thinking about this for a couple of months as my stack has shrunk, and I can't always tell when it's a fifth week or just a week-week. W-E-A-K. Week-week. Week-week. Matthews Matthews in a, a ennui stage of comic reading, which is a
1: thing yeah
0: <laughs> do you listen think... to this show for for a long time? you'll hear all of us and I say all of us because there' has been, been four regular hosts of the show, plus all the guest hosts have gone through uh ennui stages,
1: yeah, do you think that that is? effect of a general trend that is happening in comics or it is related somewhat more to the person you know who like the subjective effect of that on them
0: well it's all a big old stew Mm -hmm. so you got all all kinds of ingredients and it all depends the ingredients all change the stew so like for some people this might be the greatest time of comics ever for, for their own personal reasons you know you can only sort of talk about it you know, in your own way. And the thing is, when when usually on this show, and it was more so when we had a third host, was that if we all, with various different tastes and interests, thought the comics were in a lull, then there's a good chance that was the case. If we all thought comics were going gangbusters, then there's a good chance that was also the case. But at the end of the day, it's all personal. And someone's listening to this going, "I love everything right now. These guys are these guys hate comics, and that's totally valid to think that." Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think we're not in those... Much of a lull as were maybe a year ago, um, but we're still not like, you know, in a super great place. I
1: th- I mean I think that I did, I think that there's an objective time that this happens, and it seems to be like when the companies don't know what to do mm-hmm. for themselves. They don't know what they there's times where they're like we have to change something, we have to try something else, but they don't know what that is. And and so you get this thing where like, what about the future state? And then that they did have it, and then yanked it. So we saw sort of what they were thinking. Uh, and then there's you know the reboot that they decided to do instead of that. There's you know the time period where Marvel more so, but but DC they were really focusing on on inclusion and bringing in you know a lot of different types of characters and maybe replacing some of their legacy characters and that works and doesn't work to a certain extent and you take the good things out of that and you abandon the the things you didn't that didn't work out of it but those sort of middle times where where they don't have a direction you know uh and and I think sometimes it's an editorial direction that it's a decision and sometimes it's just a zeitgeist of there's a, a bunch of folks there doing great work i think at marvel you know in the early 2000s you know I think Bendis being around there with, with Joe kasada as EIC, like it kickstarted a thing and, and people lined up and followed and they got there. And I think then DC followed up in that. I think there's just, there's just times where everything sort of starts to line up and, and all the comics feed off of each other and get really good. But the other times when the, you know, they don't know what it is. they They're trying to decide they're you know, like maybe one generation is sort of like, slowing down you know of the creators and and so the next people have to come along and then you end up you know with a bunch of they're just feeling their way around and then momentum starts up and
0: i, I, I think we're focusing mostly on marvel dc because like yeah although with I the think image, you with could the image see... it's like depends on who's making the books
1: well but... right because the same person has been green lighting the books now for well over a decade but i do think that i do think that you know Again, that works in the same way at that one part of image where all of the Marvel and DC creators, the mainstream people, went over and they were they were you know doing you know new series, and I think they were all feeding into each other and they were you know egging each other on, and we got so much great stuff. Competition, yeah.
0: So I think, I think, a lot of it comes down to really kind of boring business decisions, which people don't really care about. So like, lulls tend to happen when there's no strong creative um, direction from the top. And also from when like there was a point, <clears throat> I'm trying to think of when it was about 12 years ago, 11 years ago, when almost all the top talent went to Marvel. So you had a really tough DC lull for a while because they just didn't have any of the top people. the like most, most talented people making comics at the time were all doing Marvel books. So Marvel was going well, but DC wasn't and that's, and that's a business decision. All the, they want, they went for the, Marvel exclusive contracts, um, and if you go all the way back to two thousand and the late 90s, you had the you know the bankruptcy at Marvel, and that's a business and uh, inf- problem. But then, when Casada comes on, he is and Palmiotti as the heads of Marvel Knights, and then the heads of the company itself, they set a strong creative vision for the company, mm-hmm. and then they let their they let their creators run with it, and that led to great comics. And then I think the same things happened happened at DC in the early 2000s mid mid 2000s you Johns. know you had you know the Jeff Johns and you had uh, Greg Rucka and you had people who were you know given a direction for the universe and the characters and were able to run with it i think when you get, when you get a wishy-washy direction from the top and i'm not saying that future state is but it could be we don't know we'll see what happens it doesn't usually lead to good, book, good good books. You need a strong, creative vision. That's the whole point of the
1: editor-in-chief. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the, that, I, I think Jim Shooter was, you know, I don't think everybody loved what he did or whatever, but I think that you can say that he did lend, lend an energy to it, as did Stan Lee. I mean, Stan, that's a really, <laughs> Stan and Jack, you know, at a certain point they, you know, spearheaded that and people were just trying to keep up with them and that created a really good time period. And, you know, that's the cycle. I think there's an, there's an, there's a, you, you sort of, throw darts around in the dark and then at one point somebody hits and, and you know people start moving in a direction and they're energized and excited and, you, know, you see that
0: and also things just happen you know you get sort of in a rut the industry mm-hmm. can get in a rut too you've had the same people when you have the same people writing the same characters for years sometimes it's great and they, they can weave a great you know epic story over the course of a decade but sometimes it just gets to be like rote and repetitive and you can get that way remember remember after the whole after that period at Marvel we talked about, you, know, you had Jason Aaron, you had Bendis, you had Brubaker, you had Remender, you had all the great talent. The architects. Uh, but then they, they all sort of stayed in their books a little too long. Yeah. You know, and so they got to the point, back then we had a, a lull with Marvel because everything kind of felt repetitive and mm-hmm. kind of boring. And, you, you know, maybe you run out of ideas for Daredevil, but you're still writing Daredevil. So then, you <laughs> know, and I'm not calling it, but I'm just picking a random character yeah. out. Um, and so that can lead to a lull. Until someone new comes along and shakes things up and brings in new ideas and fresh ideas. And it's it's all, you know, when it's just all cyclical. There's business influences, there's creative influences, there's, you know, a new generation of creators comes along in the early 2000s and injects life into things. We haven't really had like that kind of. We've had a couple of people come in, like Donnie Cates and like the, the Johnson & Johnson guys. And, but
1: I mean, I think we haven't seeing... had like a
0: line wide injection of new talent like we had 20 years ago.
1: Yeah, I would say that. 10 years ago, the idea of breaking into comics as a writer started to get really hard, mainstream comics, because the people were just in place. And I think that right. some of those people decided to move along, you know, and do other things. Rick Remender is a really good example of that, you know, and, and I, think if, I think some new people have come in. And, and it's funny because I used to know where they came from, and now I don't know who they are or where they're coming from. Um, and you've got to sort of pick and choose and find your way, but there's been some really great new talent. And I'm talking about writers, largely in that sense. There's kind of always really cool artists to be found around, but those two things sort of work off each other too. You know, that like a great artist and a great writer together um, will create something uh, extra special. And that it's just
0: it just that. all goes on when you have this weekly grind, and we say grind in a loving way, we have this weekly grind of books that come out. You're gonna eventually hit a lull, and then something will spark it up. Spark it up, and it'll get better. And
1: and I think that happens with creators and readers, which is why you see yeah, that. Yeah,
0: and. It's, I, I, I don't know, I'm trying to figure out. I think overall it's kind of a lull in that there are definitely a lot of great books. But there's also a lot of books which are just like, ah, eh, that was fine. Yeah. or that's And I think, uh, I, I just don't know the overall the direction. I, think I the, don't know that DC knows what it wants to be right now. And I, th- oh, I think a lot wow. of it has to do with the fact that it has an AT&T boss. And, you know, who knows what that means. And Marvel is so beholden to the movies. And I don't mean that in for business sense, I mean so like creatively. I think it and I think that's been hamstringing Marvel books for a long time.
1: I think the, so for, the main yeah, That's just me. I think the I think the main thing right now is that there are really good books, but they're B B-tier books. And mm-hmm. the A-level books which are supposed to be great aren't. They're not bad, that they're not like knock your socks off. And I think that also has something to do. We've been reading comics a long time. And if you read superhero comics a long time, just like if you write superhero comics a long time, at a certain point, you start to feel like you've said or seen everything. And that can be really hard. Mark Wade is an amazing comic book writer, but there's real possibilities. Maybe like, I don't have a heck of a lot left to say about a lot of these superheroes. And then he comes back and he does something for a little while and then he backs up. You know what I mean? Like, you know, that's anybody. You you, you know, you're a rock band. You're like, well, all right, we've got four chords in the truth. What now? you know, like right
0: and again it's all personal so you could be listening to the show going I don't know what these guys are talking about comics yep. are terrific and that's awesome yeah I, I don't know I don't, I, w- I wouldn't say we're definitely I mean if you listen to the show there's definitely been worse periods of comics than right now yeah and I, I don't we're certainly not, there's been periods of, at the time where I just uh, haven't really liked anything I've been reading and that's certainly definitely not the case right now yep so but at the same time it's not like it's not like 10 years not 10 years ago it was not like when we first started the show we were still in that period of time with, uh, you know, the, the, the late, the mid-2000s DC was going like gangbusters. And there was a lot of great stuff happening at Marvel. And, you know, that was prob- that, that, that's not happening right now. But maybe it will. Who knows? Who knows? contact.ifanboy.com. That's where you can write in like Matthew and everyone else who wrote in this week. Thanks for writing in. Uh, we appreciate it. Hopefully, one day, we'll get to do more than one email on the show.
1: There was a Talksplode. Uh we did in the last month. It was Joshua Williamson and Ibrahim Mustafa. Um, make sure that you check out uh, um, Count uh, from, from Ibrahim. Uh, I'm going to go through this. Uh, there was book uh We did a Avengers West Coast Vision Quest and uh, real deep into the gosh. Get I would like there. to
0: – first of all, this show came out just behind this one, so it's relatively new. But also I'd also like to point out that so far the reaction to that show has been exactly what I was hoping for, which is everyone sort of reveling in how awesome that book was and how awesome that era of comics was. Yeah. Yeah. So that's
1: it, been great to see. And I, and like I think we said on that show like I would love to see people who were not who are maybe younger than us or never Someone NASA. did
0: post about that. Um they they were they they were but 10 years younger than us, and they came to it in their 20s and they enjoyed yeah. it as much as we did as a
1: that's kid. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Um, there will be a media explode coming up this month. I have no idea what that will be. Probably something to do with the Oscars, which means that I'll bring a book along while they talk. Uh, Who knows? Who knows what it'll be. Head over to com. You can find all of our shows. You can find our vast history of comic book writing and podcasts from all the talented writers. There's getting on to about 100 creator interviews in there. Um, we're getting pretty close to that. Um, and that that's a little history of comics lesson going on there as well. You can find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out over at uh iFanboy or Facebook.com slash iFanboy uh iFanboy on Twitter or iFanboy Comics on Instagram. Um you can follow us individually on Instagram at C.S. kilpatrick and J A Flanding and should you wish to do that, you can subscribe yep. to our YouTube page over at youtube.com you guessed it slash i fanboy uh you can like and subscribe or just subscribe, or just like. It doesn't, it's Mm -hmm. not, listen, it's not an either-or thing.
0: As long as you smash some button. Smash the button. Whatever button it is you smash, that's I'm
1: pointing in a direction. Which direction has no buttons? I'm guessing upper right. If I point there, there, there's nothing. That's just a, if you have a bookmark up there, you might go somewhere else, which I don't want you to do. I don't care. This past week, we had uh, Death and Comics, episode 103, where we talked about Deaths in comics, famous comic book deaths. Most of those characters are probably alive by now. <laughs> oh yes, 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 yes. Uh, because it used to be the rule. Bucky and Jason Todd, they don't get resurrected, and that one's no, out It's B-
0: Bucky and Barry Allen.
1: Oh, oh, really? I think that was a, that was an earlier version of the rule. I may not have been aware of. Um, and there was a pick of the week mini because we would do a mini on the pick of the week. That sounds really tiring now because uh, had to write a review do a podcast, and do a mini about the show. Good God. Uh, about the book. That was Amazing Spider-Man number 560, which was a really good period on Amazing Spider-Man, if I Marcos remember correctly.
0: Marcos Martin on the art for that one. And then uh, the third show this week was a spotlight on the Secret Invasion event. It had wrapped up, and so we looked back on it, and people got mad at us in the comments. Originally. Hey, if you like the show, write us a review or leave a star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you listen to your podcast, wherever podcasts are sold, wherever you get them. If someone's selling you the podcast, you should let us know because that's not... <laughs> the the podcast bodega. Right. Like, we don't get a cut of that. They shouldn't be selling you this show. It's not cool. Uh, better than that, tell your friends, your mom, your kid, your litter carrier, your vaccine nurse, anyone who's... You know what? No. Drinks.
1: Let them do their job. Let the vaccine nurse, or it's a firefighter in my instance, just maybe afterwards if they need a break, like, whew, I've had a long day, and you're like, do you like comic books? And if they say yes, then go for it. But don't be intrusive to those people.
0: Oh, no, that's am not you to be a jerk about it. I just had to make some small talk. So it was like, you know, I could have told her about the podcast. I right, didn't.
1: Right, right.
0: So then, in that sense, I blew it. Yeah, you kind of did.
1: Well, I, you got another I, chance. Unless I you have the Johnson Johnson interested. one.
0: No, I, I, I'll, I'll have another chance. So I'll spread the love to whoever it is you encounter. I just assume that's all you're encountering these days, so... That makes sense.
1: So what I'm guessing, what I'm hearing there is that both you and I have been properly jabbed.
0: I got jabbed once. Yeah, I got jabbed. I'm going to get jabbed again.
1: Yeah. Yep. In a month. So uh, you should be doing that. You should. Yep. You should go as soon as possible. Um, you should do your part. Uh, I believe it was uh, referred to as patriotic, and I absolutely believe that. Um, and and my experience made me feel quite patriotic, if I might be honest. Patriotic you. as a human. Yes, that's a good point. I, fig- I you know what. Sometimes I forget that I'm talking to not all Americans on here because in my life, mostly just talk to Americans. But uh,
0: I mean, it's
1: 75% Americans. But what is the non? What is the non-national version of patriotism? Humanism. Good. Is it humanism? Pan-humanism? Yeah. No it's, it's a good citizen of the earth, is what it is. Yes. There you go. I'll go with that. All right. It's Until patriotic to whatever your country is, though. That can be that, right? Exactly. Absolutely. Okay. Until next week, I'm Connor. I'm Josh. Thank you.